but this show will continue to help you understand the things that affect your health while looking for unexpected discoveries along the way. It will also explore thought-provoking ideas and questions like this one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A, uh, a chronic condition case, which is mostly what we see, chronic conditions, neuroinflammation, uh, we see autoimmunity a lot, uh, but, but even just a strict gut case, um, this is where you would, you would uh, attack. So this week's on stomach. Stomach is, uh, I think it's highly underestimated as, as, as a part of chronic conditions. Most people are really aware of the intestines now. Uh, it's on the 4R program, the Heal Your Gut, the, the, all these different programs for that. Do, do the autoimmune paleo diet and, 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 and take some supplements and you know, keep, kind of keep your fingers crossed and sometimes that's gonna help. But the stomach is frequently missed and if you've done an autoimmune paleo diet or if you've been diagnosed with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and you've done that, or you've done any number of things for your, for your diarrhea, your constipation, and they worked for a short period of time, and, and then they stopped working, you're gonna find out why right now. <laughs> because the stomach has a huge player in um, not only helping to get those under control, but they are a huge player in keeping them under control once you've done one of those programs. So there's, so the stomach, it digests your food, and, and one of the main things it does is, uh, one of the main features of it is hydrochloric acid. Okay, hydrochloric acid is, um, is, is, is designed to primarily digest your protein. It's your, your, your stomach's a very acidic area. For those of you who are alkaline people, um, you tend to dampen this response, which is not a good thing. The, and, and so it, it is the beginning of the chain it's, it's actually not the beginning of the chain of, of, of digestion. The beginning of the chain of digestion is actually smelling your food, seeing your food. That actually creates a beginning of the digestive process in your stomach and your pancreas and, and your gallbladder, and of course, chewing your food. But then after that, the next thing is hydrochloric acid. So, symptom, so first, there's low, there's low hydrochloric acid symptoms and there are high hydrochloric acid symptoms. If people think about their stomach and they think about symptoms, um, what I, my experience is mostly they say, well, I don't have an ulcer, or they say I'm taking, yeah, I have, or, or they say I, I do have, uh, I do take antacids because I have uh, acid ingestion. And, and one of those is, one of those is 
Um, too much acid, one of those is too little acid. The problem with the stomach environment is usually too little acid. And I think it's important to walk through that. Let's first walk through other symptoms that are stomach symptoms that um, you may not um, connect with the stomach. One is excessive, excessive belching, burping, or bloating. And that, can, that would seem like it could be a number of things, but that would be excessive belching, burping, and bloating after you've eaten protein. I just had a lady yesterday, a uh, patient, and we're close to the end, and she, she started to reintroduce some foods. Oh, she, that's what it was. She switched over to the keto diet, and typically she's starting to eat more meats than she probably should, and she's having a hard time. And she's having a hard time digesting, and she's getting gas. Like, well, it's because she, she doesn't have enough hydrochloric acid in her stomach, and she's now trying to digest more protein. So, so usually the gas and the bloating from the stomach versus say pancreas or gallbladder or SIBO would be if you are not able to digest protein. I, I eat a protein meal, I'm getting gas and bloating. That's usually lack of hydrochloric acid in your stomach. We're gonna talk way more about hydrochloric acid in a minute. So gas immediately following a meal, same thing. Offensive breath. So, so many of the people who come in here are health-minded. They are brushing their teeth. They are flossing their teeth. They have going to the dentist. They're doing the right things. And yet some of them come in here and, and their breath is really horrible. And they're embarrassed by it, of course. We smell their breath to see what it smells like. Because breath coming from a lack of hydrochloric acid in the stomach has a very distinct smell. And it can alert us to the fact that that person doesn't have enough hydrochloric acid in their stomach. Difficult bowel movements. Uh, one of the, the number one causes of constipation, possibly the number one cause of constipation is stress. And stress creates a situation where it puts you into something called fight flight. And when you're in fight flight, your nature kind of knows that you don't need to be eating, peeing, pooping. So it shuts all of that down. So if you're in chronic stress, it shuts down your stomach, your intestines, your, your gallbladder, your, not your gallbladder, your urinary bladder. And so stomach, if it shuts that down, what happens is you stop making hydrochloric acid for that period of time. But if you're chronically stressed and you shut down that hydrochloric acid, there's a chain reaction from, from not having enough hydrochloric acid. And that chain reaction is, is you're, you're not making enough hydrochloric acid that sends a signal to your gallbladder not to work because it doesn't want your, 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 you're in fight flight. We don't want your gallbladder to work either. You don't need your gallbladder doing anything while you're trying to run from the bear, right? And then that will help to shut down your pancreas for all you pancreatic enzyme fans. And so, and, and, and that is a stress response. And then those, if you're in stress long enough, can create inflammation in the intestines. Uh, and for there, I'm just trying to point out at this point in time how important not having enough hydrochloric acid in your stomach is and where it comes from. So we're, so, uh, so difficult bowel movements will happen when you have all that happening. You're not digesting your protein, you're not digesting your fats, you're not digesting your, <clears throat> your, um, your, uh, um, your starches because all those organs aren't working. That's the number one cause of constipation. Um, sense of fullness during, uh, the other thing, by the way, second most common cause of hypochlorhydria, low hydrochloric acid, is thyroid. Hypothyroid, Hashimoto's thyroid, 
slows down the ability to make hydrochloric acid. Sense of fullness during and after meals. Of course, you're not digesting your meal because you don't have enough hydrochloric acid. Difficulty digesting proteins with meals, undigested uh, food found in the stools. These are symptoms of low hydrochloric acid. They can, and, and, and that can be caused by, that can be caused by stress, that can be caused by hypo, like I just said uh, late, just a few minutes ago. Uh, it can be caused by uh, low thyroid. Those are the two most common causes that come into this office. That can be caused by um, H. pylori. H. pylori is a bacteria that you get in your stomach that will actually cover the inside of your stomach and cause you to not make well, you'll still make hydrochloric acid, but the hydrochloric acid can't be expressed because the parietal cells that are making it are being covered by a bacterial infection. So not having, in my world, not having enough hydrochloric acid is probably more important to look for immediately than whether the person has too much hydrochloric acid because as I'm gonna tell you here in a second, too little hydrochloric acid leads to you having symptoms of too much hydrochloric acid. Just bear with me on this, okay? So, so what are the symptoms of too much hydrochloric acid? More people know these than know the symptoms of not enough hydrochloric acid. Stomach pain, burning, aching, um, uh, when uh, uh, just right after eating. Um, use of antacids. This is like the number one thing, feeling hungry an hour or two after eating. Heartburn when lying down or bending forward. I'm gonna stop on that one. Heartburn when bending down or lying forward <clears throat> can also be a hiatal hernia. And I, I don't have any, I, I'm, to my knowledge, we should do something on hiatal hernia because I don't think I have any presentations online on hiatal hernia. But hiatal hernia is when your stomach pushes up through your esophagus it could be because you're vomiting. It could, be, it could be because you bend over too much. It could be because we sit too much. It could be because you can lift too much. And it pushes up your stomach into your esophagus. And then your acids become uh, available to your esophagus. And then you, it starts burning your esophagus. Um, Long-term hypochlorhydria, low, low, low acid. Long-term hyperchlorhydria, too much acid. Or long-term hiatal hernia, all can call, lead to something called Barrett's esophagitis, esophageal esophagitis, some of the things that some of you watching this may have. Um, I, I, it's, I, it's, it's something I see semi-commonly. Heartburn, when you're laying down or bending forward then, can be uh, too little hydrochloric acid. It's usually too much hydrochloric acid, and it can be a hiatal hernia. Temporary relief by using antacids, that's too much acid in your stomach, Digestive problems subside with rest and relaxation. That's too much acid. Heartburn due to spicy foods, chocolate, citrus, peppers, alcohol, and caffeine. By that time, the inside lining of your stomach is starting to disappear. Okay, so we have low hydrochloric acid in stomach problems. We have high hydrochloric acid in stomach problems. Now, we briefly have talked about the importance of low hydrochloric acid because if you have low hydrochloric acid, to, to go over it again and take it one step further, you eat food, the proteins don't get digested. The, the, the food then sits there. 
the proteins actually sit there. This is a, this is a, a, a step I skipped previously. The protein sits there. It is what becomes acidic in a case of low hydrochloric acid. This is by far the more common reason for you having acid indigestion because it takes a long time to get where we're gonna to get to in a minute with the high hydrochloric acid. So the protein starts getting acidic. And then what happens is, is, is it, it gets putrid, it, it, you know, it starts to, and it starts to burn, and then your, 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 your digestive system has a lot of checks and balances, a lot of fail-safe mechanisms, a lot of governors, if you will, okay? And so this is the biggest one. If you don't have enough hydrochloric acid, the food gets putrid, the food gets acidic, it now sends out a hormone to your gallbladder called cholecystokinin, and it, and, it, and it tells your gallbladder to not pump. For all you people who've had your gallbladders out, why did they take it out? Because it started pumping slower. What did they tell you? Your ejection fraction is slower. And when that happens over a long period of time, guess what else happens? You start to get sludge. And then guess what else happens? That ends up turning into to, to, to small stones and then large stones and so on and so forth. If you've had low hydrochloric acid over a long period of time from usually chronic stress or hypothyroidism and, or, or ultimately maybe H. pylori, these are the things that cause it, okay? Now, that gallbladder and that stomach also now alert your pancreas. Hey, I'm about to send a bolus of food down in there that is not digested properly and is acidic. Stop working pancreas because if you keep pumping out enzymes through your little duct, inflammation from that acidity, acidity of that food is gonna get in there and you're gonna get sick, okay? And this is how some people get pancreatitis without drinking alcohol, okay? So, so but the bottom line is low hydrochloric acid shuts down gallbladder, both of those shut down your pancreas. Now you're not putting out pancreatic enzymes. Now you're not digesting your proteins. You're not digesting your, your fats. Uh, and most people don't realize that these organs do more than that. Your gallbladder actually helps with immunity. It helps with inflammation. Your pancreas puts out enzymes that are anti-inflammatory. If you wanna know how to get an inflamed intestine, then don't have enough hydrochloric acid in your stomach. How did that happen? Usually by stress usually by low thyroids, usually by H. pylori. Those are the biggest ones, there are other things, but that's probably 98% of the reason that people have low hydrochloric acid. And the next thing you know, you start getting bad bacteria in your stomach. Why do you get bad bacteria in your stomach? And then you get bad bacteria in your intestines. Why do you get bad bacteria in your intestines? Because the hydrochloric acid is not just there to, 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 to digest your protein. It's there to kill bad guys it's there to kill bacteria. In fact, even though it's kind of a reciprocal thing, even though H. pylori infections can cause lack of hydrochloric acid, you almost can't get a hydrochloric, uh, H. pylori infection in your stomach if you have enough hydrochloric acid because it's going to, to, and I'll tell you in a minute why the other thing would be, but because it's usually going to kill that. It's usually going to kill that bacteria. It's gonna kill candida. It's gonna kill viral infections that come in, even if you're like, if you're like out there and, and, and you're drinking bad water 
you have enough hydrochloric acid that it may even kill that, although the water goes through a lot quicker, it may even kill that, okay? So the hydrochloric acid also is like the guard at the door to try to make sure you don't get bad viruses, you don't get bad yeast, you don't get all that stuff in there, Not, you don't have enough hydrochloric acid, all that stuff starts, starts happening. If you don't have enough hydrochloric acid for a long enough period of time, then you start to get damage to the inside of, of your intestines because you have, because you have infections in there, because you, you have food that's not digesting properly. And most people say, and then, and then what happens is you start getting very acidic. Now let me stop at this point. At this point, many of you are taking antacids, but antacids are gonna do what? They're going to kill what little acid you have left. This is so common. It's like mind boggling how common this is, okay? So you're now perpetuating the problem. So now we know what a little bit of acid being left causes. Now you have no acid left because you're killing everything. Now you're perpetuating everything we just got done talking about and now you're taking them over a long period of time. The inside lining of your intestine starts getting bad because there's inflammatory responses because you don't have the enzymes and those types of things to kill it. And the next thing you know, you stop absorbing things. Now you can get malabsorption. Now you can get osteoporosis and you can get all the other things that you can get in your intestines. You can get all kinds of intestinal problems. So like, you know, omeprazole and those, what is it, pantoprazole and those types of things. You, if you, if you, if you, if you are taking those and you have been confirmed as not having an ulcer, find another way. There are lots of other ways, herbs, botanicals, or a lot of other ways to get over that acid indigestion until you take care of whatever's causing it. Uh, I mean, bad diet could cause it too, but the number one and two causes are usually stress and thyroid. And so now, so we move from hypochlorhydria to hyperacidity, okay? But you get the hyperacidity because now, after you've had low hydrochloric acid for a long period of time, and if it's because of stress, for sure, um, you're now going to have it so long that it's gonna to start to damage the inside of your intestines. Now, at this point, when you, have the, when you have damaged the inside of your intestines, you're definitely gonna check that person to see if they have H. pylori, okay? Because they're, because they're not gonna be killing their bacteria because first they had low hydrochloric acid, now they have high hydrochloric, they have uh, high acidity because the inside lining of their stomach is being affected. They have, they can't eat any of these things. They're taking antacids. And, um, and, and so the damage is happening to something called the parietal cells in, in there. The parietal cells are what make hydrochloric acid. So when you start getting damage to that stomach, now, from, from, from having it, uh, from having the, the uh, uh, hypoacidity for so long that's now causing the damage, now you start getting an inability of the cells in the lining to make hydrochloric acid because they're being damaged. So that could be because you had hypoacidity for so long. You could get that hyperacidity separately other than the low hydrochloric acid if you have an autoimmune problem. So if you have, let's say you have Hashimoto's, let's say you have rheumatoid arthritis, let me say lupus, whatever you have, you can get other antibodies that will attack the inside of your stomach separate from everything I just got done saying. And so if you come into a person and, and if you come into a doctor and you have that type of an issue, they should be checking you for hypochlorhydria. They should be checking you for autoimmune antibodies. In other words, antibodies to 
the inside, uh, the parietal cells on the inside of your stomach that are being destroyed by the acidity that you're having at that point in time. They should be checking you for H. pylori because if you have no, poor hydrochloric acid or if you've advanced to the point where you're having stomach symptoms or actually ulcers, you're not making enough acid to kill the bacteria. H. pylori is almost a standard. If you do the test, it's almost always gonna be there. <clears throat> and so this is stomach, okay? And, 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 and the big thing about this is, is if, as you're following me, you're probably thinking, wow, it's pretty important to have like enough hydrochloric acid in my stomach because it screws everything else up. And the answer is, that's right. But the hydrochloric acid comes first. So you have to figure out where are you? Are you just at the point where you don't have enough hydrochloric acid or are you, point, are you at the point where you've crossed over to the dark side and you now have actual damage to the inside of your intestines? And, or do I have H. pylori and do I have, or do I have parietal cell antibodies that are attacking the inside of my stomach? This is stomach, okay? This is stomach. Now, there's a lot of weird things that can happen to the stomach other than that, but these are pathologies that rarely happen, and they're something that people would see if they do an endoscopy or something like that. This is 99 and 9 tenths percent of the people who come in to this office. This is the flow. And again, we're talking about flow. We're talking about there being a, we're talking about there being a, a, uh, an organization to this and a hierarchy. So, and, and, and many of you, uh, if you go back, you'll understand we've already looked at stress responses. We've already looked at those types of things. And we've looked at your intestines. Your intestines being uh, violated can in turn, like if you've developed celiac or if you've developed Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis first, the inflammation from there can certainly feed back and can certainly cause uh, an abnormality in stomach function. And so that's another thing that you kind of need to be aware of as far as that goes. But again, those are uh, not a huge part of the population. I don't know what the percentage is, maybe 6% of people who have gut problems have those autoimmune issues. The rest, this is what you're looking at. So, so, so the big takeaway from this to me is I go back to those of you today, everything's on the internet, everything. Everything, people come into me today, it's, it's way different when I started. When people had no clue as to anything about anything relative to why they had autoimmunity or why what was going on with their thyroid or what was going on with their gut. Now the 4R program, the 5R program, uh, the SIBO program, the autoimmune paleo diet, all these programs are all over the place. And people who are looking at this, like yourself, probably have already looked at all those things. Many of you have probably tried all of those things. Many of you have gotten no help from them, or many of you have, um, or many of you have gotten help from them for a short period of time, and then two weeks later, four weeks later, six weeks later, eight weeks later, boom, everything came back. You got discouraged. You said, oh my God, I thought I had SIBO. I was right out of textbook. I did everything, it was better. Now it's all back. Now I'm so bummed out. Oh my God, like it's like, it's not that. But it could have been that. But if you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, okay, and you do that whole thing, that whole that whole dietary regime, and, and you use the, and you use the proper herbs and botanicals and stuff, and it comes back, it's because most likely you didn't have enough hydrochloric acid in your stomach to kill it 
and keep it away. And by the way, for those of you who are the alkaline people, you need at least a little bit of acidity in your intestines and you need a lot of acidity in your stomach so that you can kill things and so that you make the environment in your intestines just a little hostile so that these viruses and these bacteria and stuff don't come back once you've killed them. So that's kind of, I think, the extent of really what you need to know about stomach. I, I, I think that's really the, the critical core of it for those of you who have gone through, again, this whole series is relative to back the basics of what functional medicine is supposed to look like. And, 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 and the breadth of functional medicine, the organization of functional medicine, the hierarchy of how you attack things to the degree that you can do that. And so that is really, this is, this is a huge, 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 huge key to the entire hierarchy of, of, of attacking almost any problem that walks in this door relative to gut problems, gut problems having immune responses that are attacking other things. If you do all the right things and you don't get the, and you don't get the acidity in your stomach under control, you don't get the stomach under control, you're not gonna get a long-term response. So this is one of my favorite subjects. I could go on for hours and hours and hours and hours on this, but, I, but, but there's lots of data online um, relative to this particular type of a condition and um, if you want to like, you know, look those things up and verify it, but this is the core of, of, of stomach. This is the testing that you would do. Uh, and this is the testing that you would do when you would do it. And, I, and it's, it's such an important part that if you're having any of these problems, I would like rewind this thing, <laughs> rewind this thing. I would replay this thing. You can tell where I'm at, right? Where I come from. You could replay this thing a couple of times and then kind of compare it to your symptoms. And I think you will find, and, and, that, and, and, and the, 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 success, the, the solutions are dietary, the solutions are supplements, sometimes the solutions are, are just you know, getting hydrochloric acid in there. Sometimes you take hydrochloric acid and it burns you. So you have to actually, you know, maybe you got autoimmune gastritis because you have positive antibodies against your parietal cells. And then you're not making enough hydrochloric acid, so you may have to get the immune response. That's a whole nother animal. That's a whole nother presentation, but it is extremely doable the vast majority of the time. So um, again, I can't reiterate this enough. This is one of the most important aspects of what we're doing. So um, next time we'll be going on the pancreas, which will be frankly a pretty short presentation. So I'll see you then with pancreas. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.